on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hacker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Okay, OU stuff, Jeff Lebby rumors. We recap OU's transfer portal class. We talk some spring game and the custody battle for Jalen Hurts. Then Stanford Steve Coughlin joins us to talk some college football and NFL playoffs. And we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, January 25th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of January, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, we got Stanford Steve, baby. Let's go. Awesome stuff, man. Uh, Such a stud. Does a really, really good job and just loved by the masses and for good reason. Loved by the masses, undoubtedly. It's it's an awesome interview that that you guys are really going to enjoy. College football, NFL, a little bit of everything with Stanford Steve. But of course... As we always do, we will start with OU football news. How are we going to handle the Jeff Levy stuff, Ted? Because there are rumors. Uh, TCU, Georgia, Bama. Levy is a very good friend of yours. What? How do we want to handle this? What do we want to say about all of this? Well, um, I'll, I'll say that I don't think he's leaving. No. I, I I don't know that for sure. I don't have any any like inside intel on that. I don't think he's leaving. Number one, I don't think I don't think it makes sense for him to to leave to Bama or Georgia and or TCU before uh, that that opportunity was taken. I and I know that both Bama and Georgia have have it going better right now than Oklahoma, but it's still a lateral move. Right, whenever you look at like his progression uh, as position coach, as co-coordinator and working his way up through some smaller schools, to a mid-tier SEC at Ole Miss, calling plays there, and now you're at a blue blood Oklahoma. Didn't have a great year, understand that, but 
if you take another offensive coordinator job, that's a lateral move, in my opinion. I think his next move needs to be a head coaching position. Um, I think it's great that you have a commodity out there that people want, right? Um, the system that he runs is a system that that people value. They they see how good it is. You know, they Bama and Georgia, both of them played Tennessee. Uh, Bama lost, Georgia won, but they see what's going on with that style of offense. Um, I also think that I also think that Saban and and even Kirby Smart at Georgia those are those are defensive minded coaches, right? And more so whenever you look at Alabama. Does it matter who Alabama has at offensive coordinator? No, not really. I I think that if if Jeff Levy were to go into Alabama and win a national championship, the credit would go to Saban and the credit would go to the players. Right? You're you're taking over a thankless position there. Um but I think that Saban also sees that in Georgia that Oklahoma's coming. And if you can get a really good offensive coordinator and chop one of the legs out from under Oklahoma right now, they've seen the recruiting class. I, they know what's happening here. They see, like, the facility changes. They know Venable's history and his pedigree. I, they know what's happening. And I think as much as anything, it is a move to slow down Oklahoma's ascent. So uh, – I don't think he's leaving. I could be wrong about that. You know, they've got a lot of resources to throw at people, right? And, you know, I guess you, you never know. It's it's a pretty, you know, it, it's a pretty intoxicating offer to have, you know, the, the best who's ever done it, blowing your phone up and throwing a ton of money your way to go to the program that has the best players in the country year in and year out. That's, that's a hard, it's a hard thing to turn down, but um where we sit right now, I think Levy's going to hang around Oklahoma. Yeah, and I, I agree with you when it comes to the opportunity he has at Oklahoma, at his alma mater, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that matters, but I always thought Levy's next step would be head coach. And if he's able to really get this thing going next season uh, with, with Oklahoma's offense – Probably going to be a head coach the year after that. And, and I think this whole situation, because let's be clear, he turned down Bama. He turned down Georgia. Turned down TCU. Right? And I, I think this may be an eye-opener for some OU fans. Right? Especially, we, we received some stuff throughout the season like, hey, why aren't you guys more critical of Jeff Levy and the offense? And I, I think the best way to answer that is because we we know the system is good and we know the reputation and the amount of respect he has around the country in the coaching community. So we tend to, especially as former players, tend to say, hey, players got to execute. You got to do your job, right? The plays are there to be made. The guys weren't doing, weren't executing at a high enough level. Now, maybe one perfect, don't get me wrong, but I think this is an eye-opening experience for a lot of OU fans when we've been saying like, hey, 
Jeff Levy is one of the best. And OU should be thrilled to have him as their offensive coordinator and to hold on to him as their offensive coordinator. I could only imagine how the OU fans, and I don't think it was that many OU fans, probably a small portion, they were like, we need to move on from Levy. He's not the guy. Well, Kirby Smart wanted him. Nick Saban wanted him. So I'm assuming those fans are reassessing their stance, going, eh, maybe, maybe we had that one wrong. Yeah. And I hey, I get it, man. It I get the frustration. We 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 need something to blame. We want something to blame. Like where can we point the finger and get rid of that? and feel way better back about ourselves and what we have, right? That's, that's kind of, that's kind of how this thing plays out. It feels like, but, um, we're going to be fine offensively. Um, if if we can get the bodies in there, if we can execute, um, you know, I I think that having a year under our belt running this system and, and a a group of players that kind of understand it, a bigger core that understand it, it's, it's not a transition year. It's a developmental year is, is kind of what I've been saying about it. And I think that's going to be the case. Now, um, there's a lot of work to be done. And, you know, I think there's a high ceiling, but there's also a lot of unknown as to can we hit that that high ceiling or not. But the system is there. Um, you know, I, I the, the biggest thing we had last year that was – you know, just slapped the governor on our offense was the not having the ability to really turn the quarterback run game loose because of our backup quarterback situation. Hopefully we've, we've got a handle on that with, you know, a a stud true freshman coming in. But I, I would say right now, I know he's ranked really high. He's looked fantastic. He's got a great set of skills, really good kid, but I still don't know. And we still don't know until we get him here and he goes through spring ball. And we may hear some people say, man, we got us a backup quarterback now. This kid's going to be a stud. And you feel great because that's not what we got last year. Last year, after like two practices, we got, uh, we've got a backup quarterback issue, right? And knew, they knew it right out of the gate. And that that was a, a big limiting factor for us the entire year. So hopefully as some personnel changes and we get to where we're in a little bit better of a spot, we start to see what this offense truly is capable of. Yep. And hopefully things stay the same and Jeff Levy remains the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Cause it doesn't yeah. sound like Saban is taking no for an answer very well, <laughs> which not many people say no to that man when, uh, when he offers him a job. So. Yeah. I, I think that Saban is, I, I honestly feel like he's in a position and this isn't to say anything about, I think, obviously I think Levy's awesome, but I, I feel like Saban is in a position where he's trying to chop a leg out from under Oklahoma. I, I really do. We're coming to the SCC. He doesn't like this offense. I, he wants to put it in on his team and to be able to, to slow down what Oklahoma has going right now, which looks really good. So some of the stuff that we've done in the offseason, the transfer portal recruiting. So I, re- I really believe that that is – that may not be all of it, but I think that's definitely a piece of it. Yeah. No, I'm with you. All right. Speaking of that transfer portal in the offseason, the portal is now closed. So 
Let's do a quick review of what OU brought in via the portal. Uh, let's start with the defensive side of the ball, looking at guys that will play along the line of scrimmage. Desan McCullough, obviously the big name addition, coming from Indiana. You got Rondell Bothroyd, Devon Sears, Trace Ford, and Jacob Lacey. And then in the secondary, you add Reggie Pearson. Offensively, you add Andrew Anthony at wide receiver, uh, Austin Sogner and Blake Smith at tight end. And offensive line-wise, you add Walter Rouse and Caleb Schaefer. Ted, when the season ended, it seemed like offensive line, tight end, wide receiver, and defensive line were probably the biggest concerns for the 2023 Oklahoma Sooners. And it seems like some of those needs were undoubtedly addressed, not only with the recruiting class, but with these additions through the portal. So it feels like a pretty successful transfer portal class for the Sooners. Yeah, I I honestly, I believe it's it's great. I, as I just kind of look at the names and jot things down, I think that we're looking at probably six starters and a bunch of heavy rotational guys. I think Deshaun McCullough is going to be a starter, probably going to be the starting uh, cheetah. And if that's the case, not only are we getting a starter out of the portal, I think we're going to have a, a massive upgrade at that position. I think Bothroyd is probably going to be a starter. Um, you know, if if not, definitely a heavy rotational guy. He comes in with more experience, more production at that position than we have on the team. So I think that looks like he's going to be a starter. Same thing with Pearson. Pearson's played ton of football, experienced guy, extremely smart, extremely physical. I think he'll definitely be a starter, if not a every snap starter, definitely a starter in some packages. So that's three guys that you can check on defense, and that's not even talking about guys like Trace Ford, who if he's healthy and has a great offseason – uh, he could he could definitely work his way into a starting role, but de- always you know Sears, Ford, Lacey, easily going to be heavy rotational guys. So I think that's awesome. Then off, on offense, Stogner starter, uh, Walter Rouse starter as long as he's healthy. And I, I don't know right now. I'm penciling it in because I think that you know the the staff really really likes this guy, and I think there's a the chance that he comes in is a game changer, Andrell Anthony. So, like, whenever you look at that, and just that group is, we're not really uh, just replacing or filling holes. I think there's a chance that we can, we're at some of these positions getting way better, which is good. Yeah. I mean, especially along the offensive line, you, Rouse, and I think Schaefer, right? You, Think all those jobs in the interior are up for grabs. Yeah. Right. So the needs were addressed. Now, are you where you want to be from a talent perspective and a depth perspective at all these positions? No, you're not. But that is typically built through the high school recruiting. And, and that's where that's where Brent Venables and the staff want to get is where the portal is no longer a necessity. Yeah, right, just sprinkling it, it, in some stars when you see them. It's a luxury, mm-hmm. right? Where you're just okay. 
we can upgrade with this guy and that guy. You're talking a couple of guys, not double-digit guys uh, with several of them expecting to come in and be starters. Now, of course, you're going to constantly try to upgrade your roster. That's that's how this thing works. But as they begin to stack recruiting classes, uh, I think the hope is that you'll have to use the portal less, right, to address serious concerns on the roster. But it, it does feel like with this portal cycle, they they address their most pressing needs on the roster, which is kind of the whole point. And we all saw what the product was on the field in 2022. It wasn't good enough. So to get some new guys that have played a ton of football in, uh, some guys that maybe haven't played as much, but have, you know, have a high ceiling. I, I think it's it's an exciting transfer portal cycle for the Sooners. Nope, totally agree. Totally agree. And you know, there's there's a chance that, I mean, it, it's a good overall uh, portal class with the chance of a couple of superstars, perhaps. Right, Deshaun McCola, chance to be a superstar. Uh, Andrew Anthony at wide receiver, if he's a breakout guy with some of the the speed and characteristics he's got, physical traits, he could be a breakout star, so could be really good. Spring game date is set. Saturday, April 22nd. Don't have a start time yet, Ted, but how sad are you that it's not Friday Night Lights? I know you, over the years, you've been begging for it, but another Saturday, man, you all right? Yeah, I'm okay with it. It, that's that's really not a big deal my usually my only gripe is if it's master's weekend and i don't know if is that master's weekend that's the only that's my only real i would i love friday night i think that's fun but um saturday's good you know you're gonna have a, a bigger turnout on saturday like the turnout we had last year was awesome like 70 75 thousand people there um now we'll see i i uh i feel good about it as long as we get some good weather even if we don't doesn't matter i feel good about it it is not masters weekend yes masters weekend then we're perfect it's looking april 6th to 9th nice so you don't have to worry about that now i will say this about the spring game we saw over seventy-five thousand people there last year and it had a lot to do with the excitement for Brent Venables. And I think it had a lot to do with fans wanting to prove a point to Lincoln Riley after he left. The season did not go well. I'm very interested to see what the fan turnout looks like. Right? It was it was it just a one-year thing, or are Oklahoma fans serious about creating the best environment for any spring game in the country. Cause that's what it was last year. Mm-hmm. It was the biggest crowd of any spring game in the country. I don't see any reason why if you can do it last year, you can't do it this year and turn it into Oklahoma's thing where, Hey, it is well known that the Oklahoma Sooners have the best spring game in all of college football. I, I don't see any reason why they, that can't become our thing. And that's, that's my hope. I hope the fans, show even more support because God knows the team needs it after what they went through in 2020. We need it, Ted. We need these fans to show up. Come on, man. Well, I think you're exactly right. The problem with what happened last year with 75,000 fans and how awesome it was is 
you got a lot of attention across the country, right? And I think you're right. Obviously, it had it had a lot to do with with the Lincoln Riley situation, with Venables coming and some renewed excitement. But if you don't do that again, like, you look fair weather, man. You it, not only did, is it just like a disappointment, like it's like a point in laugh. If you're outside of Oklahoma, like that's it's fake. They don't care. They don't care. It was a one-year deal. Their feelings got hurt. They just wanted to show up in mass to prove a point. They're not going to do it year in, year out. It's fake. So, like that's that's kind of the target we've put on our backs after after what went uh, down last year. But you back it up and do it again this year. Bigger, better, more exciting, uh, more people. Then it starts to catch on and become a thing. You can't just do it once. Yep. Unfortunately, we went out and, and raised the bar, and now you got to meet it. No reason that we can't. Right? I did. Were there people that went to it last year and said, I shouldn't have been here? I should not have no. been to this? Last year was a damn show. It was fun. And now you've got you've got all these new transfer guys from the portal. you got a couple of guys in the recruiting class that everybody wants to see. I will be very surprised if OU fans don't show up in a very similar manner. And I'll say, I'll be disappointed, right? Because you're right. If all of a sudden it's like 50,000, everyone around the country is going to be like, what what happened to the 75? Well, you have one losing season and your fans just abandon you? Yep. That's not how OU fans are wired. We've been through worse people. Come on. Let's go. Yeah. I, uh, I expect it. I expect it. Hopefully, um, hopefully weather cooperates and, and, you know, we, there's plenty to see and there there's tons to see. Like, like you said, with the portal guys and the, some of the early arrivals, I mean, everyone wants that quarterback. Some people want him to start right now. You better go there in the spring game and get behind him. See what he's yeah. got. Yeah. Okay. Another OU football thing. OU's got more players on active rosters in the AFC and NFC championship games than any other school with nine. Michigan's got seven. Florida, Georgia, and Ohio State have six. Now, this is this is great for Oklahoma, right? It's great to put that graphic out on social media. But, Ted, we've had a custody battle break out for Jalen Hurts. And it, it, it's hilarious to be because I, I think both schools should be able to claim him. Now, one school... Yeah, it forced him to transfer, but he did a lot of things for them. Won a lot of games, uh, was the starter for several years. I've got no problem with Alabama fans saying, hey, Hurts is a Bama guy, but you have to acknowledge he made his progress, like he made his improvement at Oklahoma. The reason he ended up being a second-round pick, it had a lot to do with him, don't get me wrong, but it also had a lot to do with his time at Oklahoma. And that's why he's in Philadelphia and in the situation he's in. It's just hilarious, though, how passionate people are about this custody battle. I love it. Let me ask you a question. Let's say, okay, if he if he makes it to the Super Bowl, does OU put out a graphic? Absolutely, of course. Does Bama put out a graphic? They'll probably think about it. Does Lincoln Riley put out a graphic? 100%. I mean, if th- this is this is the reality of college football. If you can claim something that will look good on a graphic, 
and will help your recruiting. You do it. You do it. I mean, you absolutely do it. That's just how that's how the game works. But yeah, I I think that I think both fan bases realize that it's fair for the other one to claim him, but usually it's where you finish your career, man. And he finished his career. He was a Heisman finalist at Oklahoma. Took Oklahoma to the playoff. He's an OU guy in my book, but I get it. He was he was at Bama for a long time and played a ton of football for him. So it's it's, yeah. it's a weird situation. It's not like Kyler Murray at Texas A and M, you know. He was he was a he was a one year mercenary for Oklahoma. I we we understood the transaction. He understood the transaction. I, he didn't come to Oklahoma because. You know, it's a place he always wanted to play, grew up wanting to play at, at OU. No, he came to OU because the recent success Lincoln Riley had had with quarterbacks, putting him in the NFL, that's why he came. And I get it. So, yeah, put the graphic out, do everything you, you got to do. And if you're Jalen Hurts, you're in a very bad position. You just can't say anything to any fan base at all because you totally alienate the the entire other group. He's going to do the intro at the Super Bowl and it's going to be Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma. <laughs> something like that. That'd be so fun. I hope he does something like that, but it it would be it would be a Twitter meltdown. But yeah, hey, if Bama fans want to claim Jalen, we should claim Calcaterra. I mean, he did way more at OU than he did at SMU. Come on now. That's true. Yeah. That would give us 10. If that's what we're doing here, come on. Why not? That's that's true. I that's you've got a great point. Hmm. It's going to get that's that's one of the um uh like unforeseen issues with the transfer portal is the starting lineups in the NFL and the graphics. Like we didn't think about that. They're just they're just <laughs> going to be with like their a high hard schools. rule. If 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 yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's got to be a, a hard rule of whether or not you can claim a guy on a graphic. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys the most important thing that happened for OU football this week. This first one comes from Spencer Steele, who says two words, James Skalski. Fun that's add right. to the staff, man. Obviously a guy that is very, very familiar with the defense. I, I think most of us remember him for whatever that thing he wore on his neck and getting a bunch of targeting calls, but he won a hell of a lot of games at Clemson. And I do you think do you think BV likes Skalski more than you? Yeah, I do. Um He offered you I, the job first though, so let's be clear. <laughs> Come on. I uh I a lot of people have said that's a cowboy collar that he wears. I think it was like it's called a, like a butterfly or something. I don't know. I think it was like a, a self-contained radar system to find <laughs> crossing wide receivers and eliminate them. I I honestly think because you know I don't get to watch, don't get to follow a lot of teams closely on the weekends because of the work with Oklahoma. So what I see mainly is, you know, just some highlights and reviews and stuff. But you know, whenever we get to the big games, and that's. I feel like every game of Clemson that I watched, he got kicked out of. Uh, every one of them for targeting. And he's just waiting like, oh, no. Oh, no. Here it comes. Oh, no. He's gone. 
uh, dude was uh, a stud. And, you know, he's been around. He, I think he came around uh, throughout the season last year just to kind of hang around the offices and see Coach Venables and stuff and, you know, talk to some guys. And he knows his stuff, man. And how valuable it is to have someone that knows it from the player perspective because there's two sides to it. You know, you can always look at it on a screen or on a chalkboard and say that it makes sense. Like I can look at it and, you know, it just it, schematically it works. And a lot of times players are like, no, you're asking me to do something that I can't do. I can't be in this place and in that place. And to have a player that's been able to do it and do it at an extremely high level to be able to come in and say, yes, you can. And here's how I think it just, I think it reinforces what what Venables is trying to do. I, I love it. I think it's going to be great. You can never have too many crazy ex-linebackers on the staff. <laughs> right. I, um, I agree. That's just kind of how I view it. So I it'll agree. be interesting to see uh, kind of what type of role he takes on. But, yeah, it seems like a fun and, you know, really good addition to, to Venable's staff. All right, this other one comes from Jonathan Grant, who says – Kobe McKenzie getting pelted by snowballs in bed from Danny Stutzman. Revenge for getting egged by him last week. Gotta learn accountability early. Ted, what are these linebackers doing? Like, I, first of all, I, I see the snowball thing. Then I see Canick and Stutzman like hitting a snowman with swords. Like, what are. Get these kids in class, man. They can't have snow days anymore. Go virtual. This is the the, the linebacker room's losing it. These guys are crazy, which is kind of how you want your linebackers. Yeah, they're weird. Hey, what do you what do you want to say? They're a bunch of weirdos, and, and that typically is a good thing. Now, I am worried about the quick rate of escalation going on in the the snowball fight when the eggs come out. Like what's the next step? I don't, I don't know what the next step is, but someone need there needs to be a peace offering, maybe a sit down, try and get a treaty done before this thing gets out of hand. Yeah, I think the if my memory serves me correctly, shocking was like the first level. The second level was TPing. Uh, the third level was then eggs, and then the fourth level and only the. Only the sickos remember this one. Forking, where you put a bunch of forks in someone's yard. Yeah. I've never heard of that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's you really don't like someone if that's going down. But yeah, I think those are the four uh kind of the four levels of escalation that when it when it comes to home vandalism. Well, then I guess the next level is like you burn someone's house down, but I don't <laughs> think it'll get to that. Yeah, well, the the egging situation's pretty serious. Um that's a that's a pretty serious escalation there, but I'm hey, I'm glad the guys get along. I think that there's going to be some real competition. I think Kobe McKenzie and Cannon came along quite a bit there at the end of the season as far as some development stuff, and I think we're going to have a I think we're going to have a, a nice little battle at Mike Backer this spring between Canick, uh, Kobe McKenzie, and. I think our boy Pichotti may may factor in there a little bit. Oh, Captain America. Captain America factor in a little bit at the Mike Backer spot. We'll see. 
All right. Birthday shout outs. Oh, this first one's tough. I may need help with this one, Ted. Happy first birthday. Happy first birthday to Roman Fieger. Yeah. I think that's right. That's what we're going with. Great name, too. Roman Fieger. Fieger. Yeah. It's pretty good. I feel good about it. Happy birthday to Jude Romines. Happy ninth birthday to Bennett Moulton. Happy 10th birthday to Avery Reed. Happy 24th birthday to Parker Fields. Happy 50th birthday to John Kiker. Happy 60th birthday, the big 6-0, to Bill Champ Champion. Happy birthday to Macy Turley. And happy birthday to Bridget McKinney. All right, let's talk to our man Stanford Steve. But first... The only place to stop on your road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Hamare. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Opelous Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. It's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And we've got new merch on there, and it is sweet, man. I can't wait. Yeah, I need to... uh, I'm definitely going to get the hoodie. You know, I'm, I've rocked the Opolis hoodies. Can't wait to have the Oklahoma breakdown one. Gonna yeah, be awesome. and this is an old shirt, but every time I wear this shirt on the podcast, people say it looks orange. I've acquired an orange towel to compare. Oh. So that's orange. This is red. I don't know why it looks. People think it looks orange, but there we go. There's a comparison for you. I guess it, it it is a... Um... It's very red in person. Yeah. It's almost like the... Uh... Like the Ronald McDonald red, like there's there's like a yeah, real it's like actual red, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, after that, here's Stanford Steve. <laughs> it is our pleasure to be joined by possibly the most well liked man in all of sports media. You can see him all over ESPN's platforms, but most of you know him as the co-host of Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt. Stanford Steve is in the house, man. What's going on? How we doing, fellas? Uh, pretty exciting time of the year. I know football fans are getting a little down now as we do try to find any kind of depression we can with only two NFL games left. But uh, a great weekend last weekend. Um, you know, people are always going to complain about the games and everybody wants a game coming down to the last minute. But we are darn selfish, I tell you. But uh, I, there was plenty to like in that kind of ball. And then obviously, uh, well, we have a we have a portal closed for what, 30, 45 days or something, and then it opens back up when spring ball's done. So plenty, plenty to chew on. I know, I know everybody's fired up. 
There's no, there's no doubt about it. Now, before we get to the NFL stuff, uh, I wanted to talk some college football with you because obviously you're very dialed in to college football uh, throughout the season. And uh-huh. man, let me tell you, I watched about every second of that Peach Bowl broadcast that you guys did. <laughs> McAfee is just, I mean, he's such an entertaining dude. How much fun was that? And not to mention that game was incredible. Yeah, it was. <laughs> there's a lot going on there, and if you've been a part of these mega casts, it's it's kind of hectic, you know, because everybody's doing stuff pregame. Uh, you know, whether whether you're doing TV or you're doing radio shows or you're doing you know some of the Twitter stuff, helping those people out. So you never actually really sit down. But I knew Pat and his guys and their familiarity they have with each other. I was I was just gonna sit back. So. When I got out there, you know, uh, Pat was like, come on. Him and AJ were on one sideline, so I went over there with those guys, and then Darius and the other guys with, with Connor um, were were on that side. But, I mean, the game was just incredible. It was just haymaker after haymaker. Uh, being in the coaches' meeting with the broadcast, I, I thought I got a sense of that, that Ohio State wasn't going to back down uh, in any way, and they were going to, you know, go after Georgia in a way that I thought only they could, uh, watching the tape and seeing – the versatility of the receivers that we saw all year and all that. But um, McAfee, it's it's so enticing and, and like, I don't want to say rage, but there's this anticipation. You don't know what's coming out of his mouth. So I got a, my first taste of it earlier that day, you know, picking the games on game day. So I, I got a sense of there being around his guy. So that helped a ton because when he, I mean, he's as talented as there is. When he's going, like he could get down in distance, formation, all that stuff. He could get it in. He could do play by play. But the 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 idea of turnover, you know, interception, uh, Washington gets hurt on that play. Ohio State scores uh, the next play, and then Georgia's, you know, down two possessions. You're trying to get this all in familiarity uh, for the viewer. So on that part, it was it was hectic, but it, it was fun as hell. The building was incredible. Uh, Ohio State showed out. Obviously, Georgia playing in the Georgia Dome uh, showed out. So it was it was it was a ton of fun for sure. Now, are you a are you a BCS guy? Are you a four team playoff guy? Or are you the extended twelve team playoff guy? Oh man, right on the spot early on here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, man, I'm fine with four. I really am, guys. Uh, gave I mean, I go on your radio show a bunch. We've talked at at, at at nauseum about, you know, last year we there wasn't four. You know, a couple of years prior there wasn't four. You know, Jalen Hurts here with Oklahoma were there, were they deserving of the four? Yeah, the teams that were capable they were. I didn't think anybody thought they were confident in nineteen. I thought you know there were two teams that were pretty capable and they played in Tuscaloosa and I thought the winner of that game was going to be a national championship. So I didn't think there was four that year. But then you start, you know, look, then it, then it got to, all right, we got two SECs. This year we get two Big Tens. I thought those teams were deserving of the spots. I thought those were the four teams this year. So the idea that we're going to go 12, everybody's going to love it. But also, this is big boy college football. You guys know this. And we might get an upset here or there. But what's that going to look like for the next round? You know, when Cinderella, you know, when we, when, when, uh, UMBC beats Virginia in the NCAA tournament, 16 beats a one. What's that look like in the next round? I'm loving life if I'm the eight or nine. You know, I I, I got a I got a path right to the sweet 16. So 
I, I like the idea. I thought eight was doable. I know everybody wants an automatic qualifier in that conference, which I, I get with all these, you know, conferences paying money, but I feel like the conferences are separating each other uh, from each other. So there's a lot of things in there. Uh, I'm fine with four right now. I, I think we can find, I, I'm, I'm more of a deserving than a, you know, conference balance guy. You know, I, I look at that. Whereas I know, what it what it what it's like to go on the road in the Pac-12, and everybody thinks it's easy, but it's not. You know, in in the Big Twelve, I mean, look look at college basketball for instance in the Big Twelve this year. It's insanity. Every game feels like it's coming down in the minute. So I I look at it separately in in a deserving sense. So I, I'm good with four right now. Now you you played college football, so clearly you you've you've been in that world. How how are you feeling about the sport as a whole? Right now, right, we've got we've got the playoff expansion coming. We've got NIL transfer portal. Like how how do you feel about just how the sport as a whole is operating right now? I it's on the tracks, but it's it feels like it's it, it could go on, on an off turn a little bit. I feel like uh there's obviously everybody's their own entity, right? But I think people are feeling out this NIL process in their own ways. And you hear about schools that had a plan. And money's getting dished out all over the place. But when you look at, say, the Florida, you know, situation with Jaden Rashada, this is what it is. Okay. I'm I'm the head coach. I'm recruiting a player. The player is is talking about X amount of uh deals and dollar signs. I go to my collective. My collective says we could do this. Okay. Boom. All right. That that number we talked about, NIL, it's done. Now it comes to money time. I'm the head coach. I don't have anything to do with the money. And the money guy tells me I don't have it. How, how, how does that work? You you go tell, tell the recruit you don't have it. You told me you had it. So it adds a, a another plot to the story, which I feel like, you know, in Florida, Billy Napier's first full offseason after a season, like he, he's got enough stuff on his plate. And to tell him yes and then to tell him no – that's that's not a good way to start the head coach and collective relationship. So, like I said, it's there's no written line. Uh, people could talk about how they did things in years past at different schools, and everywhere was different there. So it's it's I think there's a blueprint out there, uh, but nobody wants to share the good ones because that's the advantage they have right now. Uh, so it's it's I don't want to say dicey. I think everybody knows what they have. I think look at what schools did recruiting this year. You know, it's sad to say. I mean, I don't know. You know, you guys are uh, from an age where I, I was. I know there, you know, there was basically 25 scholarships in a class, you know. And now I talk to coaches. Oh, yeah, we 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 took 12 because we knew we needed to get 12 in the portal. So it's a, it's a, it's an ongoing change. But I feel like the good staffs know what they have to do. And, you know, everybody talks about is, is Georgia winning a national championship like that a good thing for the sport? In a way, I think it is. Because now everybody know the bar that is set. That that's what you need to get to in order to be the best in this sport. And I think there's a lot to take away from this season and how teams handle things and changes that were made, immediate coaching changes that were made in different conferences. So um, I, I feel good about it. I do wish there was a commissioner to to end all, you know, be all with penalties and 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 uh, just a spokesperson for what's going on. But uh, hopefully we get there. But I think I think the teams have taken ownership 
uh, and and the conferences are there also. But I think most importantly, the head coaches and teams, as we always talk, they're CEOs of this. Uh, I think they have a better sense of what my school is capable of. And that's that's the biggest part. You know, you guys are in Norman. There's plenty of investment from your fan base and the people you want involved in your in your program. Uh, but I don't know if it's like that. You know, Pac-12, I'm not sure winning is a priority, uh, especially in the football program. You know, so there's a lot of conversations that be, need to be there. But I, I think the the schools have, like, I think we're way ahead of where we were last year at this point for sure. Yeah. I, one more college question for me. What was your what was your thoughts whenever all the the uh, conference realignment stuff, I guess you could call it, Oklahoma, Texas yeah. going to the SEC, and then you know the Pac-12 teams headed to the Big Ten. What did you think about that? Would like, is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I mean, I, I know one thing we always hold dear is all the traditions and how it used to yeah. be. But you know, what was your what was your takeaway? It's, I mean. Uh... It's haymakers, guys. You know, like, I don't know how to process it. I really don't because, I mean, you guys are in it every day. Oklahoma and Texas, like, when this happens and everybody just points to the field, oh, they're not ready to go yet. Well, it's going to happen, and uh, they're going to need to be ready. Uh, You know, whether it's, you know, personnel on the field or coaching staff or NIL that's in placement or, or transfers, you know, all that stuff. Like, there's no going back now. But, yeah, the tradition thing kind of sucks, you know, uh, you know, playing, you know, my last game was in the Rose Bowl against Ron Dane in Wisconsin. And it was a totally different deal than going there and playing UCLA in the Rose Bowl. But you still got to go there. Uh, you know, you go to L.A. road trips in the Pac-12. We stayed at the nicest hotels I've ever stayed at going to play USC and UCLA. Like, that was living, man. You know, you know, sitting out on a Friday night, you know, with your with your uh, post-meeting snack and hanging with the guys and, and, you know, being on a balcony of a sick, you know, view of L.A., like that, those those schools aren't going to get that anymore. It's crazy to think about. But I think it's doable. Like I look at uh, UCLA and SC, I was reading a thing about, you know, splitting the Big Ten in the quads and being SC, UCLA, Iowa, and Nebraska, the farthest west schools. That's doable. I mean, shoot, the money that they're getting, the, flying shouldn't be an issue. And, I, I, I mean, we chartered flights back in the day. Like it, it's a totally different way of traveling. Private life, private private planes are the best things in the world. Now, if you can afford them, that's a whole different conversation. But with the money that's going to be coming in, that they're guaranteed, the conferences are guaranteeing them. I don't see there's any any problem. And uh, you know, whether it's uh, boys cross country, girls soccer, whatever, those teams should be treated just as fairly with with the money that's coming in. So it's a lot to process. But the idea of losing some of these traditions, it de- it definitely sucks. But um, it's it's the day that we live in. You know, and, and and people are gonna just just like we talked about with the with the NIL, we've seen with the portal. Uh, people are gonna adapt, and there's smart people across the board at these institutions. So I, I'm excited for it, and I think it will make uh, college football bigger and better. Yeah, it'll. It, it seems like it'll just take us some time to adjust, right? Like we'll we'll get. No used one likes to it. change. Nobody no. likes change. No, but you know we adapt for sure. Now. You made you made a lot of OU fans fans of you before the season because you picked Dylan Gabriel as your Heisman guy. Yeah. Now, season did go according to plan. No. Steve, right? OU ends up six and seven. Please just tell me it's all going to be okay. Everything's going to work out well. Come on, Steve. I I know you're a Venables guy. Come on, tell me it's going to be all right. I I feel I I know it sucks when you're in it, guys, but 
I feel like, you know, we talk about learning on the run and being a first-time deal. I, I thought there was a lot to process there. And I think Coach Venables will be the first person to tell you. You know, there was stuff that, you know, maybe you know he had to dive all, get away from, whether it was game planning or dealing with personnel, things like that, that he learned on the fly. And did it go well? No. Uh, you still got a bowl game out of the season. I think that was huge uh, to get those practices. And I thought you saw from the jump, you know, the first couple games, you know, uh, you know, you put on that Kent State game and you're like, what the hell is going on here? Oh, they're playing keep away. All right. We're still confident in our offense. We'll get a couple scores before the half ends. And, you know, did they cover? No, but there still was some sense. All right. Dylan's got all right. We got a good thing here with Mims. And and then the TCU game happens and that just felt like an avalanche. You know, Dylan gets knocked out and then the defense is on its heels and then the Texas game comes and it took a while to get their feet. So uh, I, I do feel, I think the world of Dylan Gabriel, I really do. Uh, I think he was up against it. And I think that was a group. I think coach Venable saw, I mean, you guys would know there was over 50 guys that never put on an Oklahoma uniform before week one this past season. And all that trying to meet the expectations of what p- people have around them. That's a lot to ask for, for a group of guys that's never been in anything together. What were they part of, you know, fall camp? That was it. You don't really, I mean, you have an idea what you have as a team in fall camp. You don't know what you're going to, you know, have in, in that Sunday film session and that Monday first practice after, after a butt whooping, you don't know what you're going to get. Our guys going to want to practice. How's the coach staff going to handle that? So I thought it was an all, a uh, 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 a lot to take in. But uh, I got to feel good about the conference. You know you have enough talent. Um, I think they went and got some necessities uh, in in the portal. So, I mean, shoot, it's over with. You know, all you can do is learn learn from it now and, and make the most of your opportunity that's ahead of you. So, yeah, every everybody should feel comfortable now and, and feel confident in what they have as a program moving forward, for sure. It's cra- It was a crazy year. I, I wouldn't have picked <laughs> Oklahoma no matter how bad they were to go six and seven. And yeah. I wouldn't have picked TCU to make it to the national championship. So <laughs> it, no. was, it was wild. It is. And, it, and it's a lot for us too, where it's like, all right, you know, Hey, what's your thought on this game? What's your thought? on? Th-? I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know this. How, how's this team going to respond after a loss? I've never seen it before. You know, I never seen this coaching staff uh, respond in, in how they, you know, prep and get their team. What do they look like after a loss or what do they look like after a, a close win? And, and how do their guys hold up? Uh, in a physical game, that's 60 minutes that the Big 12 loves to play. Uh, so it's 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 a lot to take in, but um, it's 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 fun as hell to see and and uh, to be in it. I, I'm still jealous of those guys to have those opportunities and and those Saturdays to suit it up. And and that's that's the crazy thing, guys. I look at college football uh, that I think differs from any anything else is all that stuff. I mean, these guys are in winter conditioning now, right? All these things you do in the offseason for 12, hopefully 13, maybe 14 games, you know, those Saturdays, that's it. It's those 14 days, and then you assess things, and you get back in that grind and, and look ahead to those next, you know, 12 games again in the next year. That That's the crazy thing when you break it down, what these guys are putting in for just such little time that gets assessed and divulged to the maximum uh, on a national scale. So that, that, that's the amazing part that, that makes college football its own ent- entity to me. I, I've got one more college football question for you. Yeah. The bear left ESPN. What, yeah. 
Uh, and and I listened to the last episode. I was a frequent listener. Loved your guys' podcast. W- what's the plan? Like, is is, is something now? I will maybe there it, it isn't set in stone, but with him moving on, like, what where's that leave you with the podcast? Because it's it's an extremely popular college football podcast. Yeah, we've done. We've had a good ride. Uh, you know, I go back and and Chad Millen was a guy that was ahead in, in ESPN.com, and now he's gone and and he he started up the Action Network and is doing a phenomenal job there. But he gave us a chance, man. Like we were two producers that loved the sport and you know had a had a liking into the numbers and that that surrounded some games, and he gave us a platform. And we and we took it, and we ran with it, and it was a blast uh, seeing you know, the diehards that are involved in it and hearing from people and with social media, it just kind of, you know, took on of its life of its own. It was, it was fun as hell, uh, going on the road and and talking to people and and realize, I mean, that's when you realize people, I mean, you guys are in it with a local thing. And when you go out, I'm sure you get bombarded with something more, more so people don't like what you say. We know, we know how that goes. This is is how it works for us. We have some of the most ridiculous ad reads you can imagine, Steve, and people just yell stuff at us from the ad reads. That's about yeah. it. There you go. <laughs> so you got to be careful picking out those ad reads, guys. You know, with everything that's on the table now that people are trying to sell, you got to be careful. Uh, so uh, there, there's been talks, you know, I think college football with with what's going on, the way the season ends, uh, you know, I get, I get asked to go do some game day stuff. I mean, I'm at the Peach Bowl. The next morning I'm on a 6 a.m. flight to the Rose Bowl because we got to be on at 7 a.m. Eastern, which is a 3 a.m. wake-up call out west. Rose Bowl happens. I'm supposed to go on with Scott. That Monday night football, Bills Bengals. We know what happens with the Hamlin injury there. And then, you know, it's the national championship in the, in the lead-up to there where I'm out in, in L.A. for a week. So it was a lot to take in. It was fun as hell. Uh, hopefully there's some things for me on the horizon there. But as far as the podcast, there's been some talks just about what we want to do. Uh, is it going to get expanded to, you know, an 18 month deal? How much offseason college football stuff are we going to do? Uh, so it's, it's personnel, you know, kind of feel like a head coach here. You know, I got to assess the personnel and, and feel like what we got. And are we ready for, for, you know, 16 weeks during the season? Can we, are, is our roster deep enough to go 20 weeks? We'll see. But uh, when, when the, when the decision is made, I will be sure to, to let people know because I know uh, I've been I've been inundated with questions and that's the toughest thing is to answer questions when you don't know the answer. Uh, I'm not I don't, I don't want to lie to people because uh, we know how that goes on social media. So um, uh, it's it's exciting and uh, there'll be more opportunities, but uh, fully expect something for sure in the fall. Well, the NFL's been crazy too, right? Mm-hmm. As soon as college football's done, that's whenever the NFL really starts to ramp up and. Uh, we we're coming off of a, another great week of playoffs and I, I don't know, is, is Mr. Irrelevant to perhaps maybe going to the Super Bowl One of the best stories we've seen in a while. Oh, without a doubt. I don't, I don't, I don't see how you can't. And I just think it's so cool. Uh, Brian Greasy was a guy that worked at ESPN and I, I thought the world of, uh, getting him in studio in the earlier years and, and seeing how smart he is just with the game and then seeing him in an analyst role. Uh, I thought he was phenomenal in that. And now, you know, when you break this thing down, he's the guy in charge of Brock Purdy every day. So I just think it's awesome. I'm super happy for Brian uh, being in this situation and knowing what's at stake in a game like this and going back a week prior and knowing what was at stake and then going back and, you know, think about though that coach's meeting. You know, you have every single thing you want in a roster and you lose two quarterbacks like that. That is some 
that's some big time football stuff right there that I don't think many staffs could handle the way Kyle Shanahan and his staff have handled. So it's an unbelievable story for sure. That roster, I, I just I just look at it up and down. I mean, yeah, they have the big names, but you also got some names that have just come out of nowhere, especially on the defensive side. Uh with Hafanga and 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 Warner, like those guys might be the best at their position in the sport. Weren't weren't huge college names, but just had that dog in them and, the, and that concept. And D'Amico Ryan's talk to people that played with him, um, just being and from a preparation standpoint of of not only knowing his assignments, but helping guys on on the defensive line that 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 were you know in their first games as a pro and and assessing personnel on the field and what the tendencies. Uh, so you see that in a, in a whole. But when you look at San Francisco, it's pretty crazy that. You know, man, man, defense not their not their bread and butter. You know, they they're going to play a bunch of different kind of zones, but golly, are they going to fly the football and trigger on keys and, and and run? And I just every 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 tackle is a gang tackle. The way they swarm, uh, it's it's awesome to see uh, what the 49ers have done for sure. I'm 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 a tight end guy, so. Kittle is just, I mean, he's at the top of the list as far as excitement and and what he brings to the table. And I just think about that offense, and that's what the best thing is going back to Purdy is they have game records that, that have the ball in their hand, guys. I mean, whether it's McCaffrey, whether it's Elijah Mitchell, uh, you know, you get those guys with the ball, and then who's out in front of them? You got monster receivers like Ayuk and, and Debo who – are not afraid to get in there and get in the mix in, in on the perimeter and block. And I think that's the biggest difference when you look at the college game to the NFL game. If you have bodies like Ayuk and Debo blocking on the edge, and now you start pulling guys, whether it's a Trent Williams, whether it's a Kittle, whether it's a use check, like those guys are big dudes. And then the guy with the ball in his hand, whether it's any of those guys, they're not easy to bring to the ground. I mean, those are big time players uh, that that you got to get on the ground. I thought Dallas did a great job of, of limiting that perimeter game. I thought that was going to be a factor, but they played well uh, running from the inside out. So the Niners, they have what I think everything you want to go on the road and get a win to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Purdy, he's not a rookie anymore. You know, it, it, he's got plenty of NFL starts. And the biggest thing about him, you guys know this, he played a ton of college football. I mean, you, you see a lot when you play four years in that conference from a defensive standpoint, especially, you know, when you like to throw the ball, you're going to get every sign, every certain kind of coverage. You're going to have good receivers. They're going to get doubled. How are you going to go off of that? So I, I think he's going to be well-prepared. Uh, but I, I think Philly brings a lot of, a lot of problems to the table on, on both sides of the ball. Look, looking at that matchup and, and I know you're a guy that really dives into the film and especially when it comes to the trenches how excited are you to watch that Philly O line against that oh. 49ers D line? Yeah, I it was weird, guys. I went back and watched last year's game. It was week two. The final score of San Fran goes to Philly and wins 17-11. So when I'm watching it, I'm like, this doesn't feel right. And then I'm I'm like, you're just Philly's offense was totally different than what it is now. I mean, they're going, they're going three by one with one back. You know, they had Ertz at tight end. Goddard was you know, the H or the F that came in for that two tight end personnel. So it was, it was totally different, but the matchups up front, I thought were really, really interesting. And I thought both, both offensive lines, you know, played well. Uh, hold on. I got it right here. The, the Niners didn't allow one sack and the Eagles gave up two sacks. So think about that defensive front talent on both sides. 
And those offensive lines hung in there. And I think that's huge in this game. Now, how's the San Francisco offensive line going to do on the road? We haven't seen that, you know, in the playoffs. Uh, but they they got battle-tested guys up there. And the thing about Philly is they just bring waves at you. You know, I think it's 70 sacks uh, they got this year. That's third all-time. That's a lot of guys getting to the football uh, in a lot of in a lot of games and a lot for an offensive line to look at and 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 prepare for. So um, I, I think it's it, it's a it, I call I called it a double chin strap game, guys, because there's going to be some head knocking here, and I've got my block knocked off. I got my chin strap chin strap knocked off, and you feel naked because you don't know what the hell's going on. You know, you got the ear flap going up on one side. You know, you don't know what clip is busted, and it's like, all right, we got to bring two to this game because you're going to get that. I mean, you're going to get hats to the ball. You're going to get, you know, counter inside blocks. You're going to get some serious duos. You're going to get linebackers triggering on, on first key in the, re, in the run game. So there are some big boys assessing things, uh, but I just look at Philly as being a different offense. And when I think about that, the versatility and athleticism on the offensive line is stupid. Uh, obviously, Lane, you know, at, at right tackle brings a different dynamic than we see because a lot of teams go with their left tackle being the best tackle. I, I think the Eagles do it different, uh, maybe because they want to get that run game going in 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 Jalen's face. So you got Bosa on the other side there. I mean, the matchup, you can just go back and forth with the matchup. So I think the playmaking ability of Philly – is going to be the end-all difference in this game. They didn't have A.J. Brown in that game last year. Jalen's a totally different player. And the biggest thing for me uh, in the NFL playoffs is trying to assess these teams that are out of the bye. I don't like the new format. I think more teams you know, go, that, go through 17 games. I think there should be at least two byes. Uh, but now you get one team you know, on a bye in each conference, and that's what I didn't know about last week. How would the Chiefs come out uh, off a bye? And then how, how are the Eagles going to come out because – we hadn't seen the Eagles fully healthy in over a month. So you factor that and what they're trying to do just to get to the end of the season, still maintain the one seed and then come out and put it all, you know, on the table against a division opponent. I thought that was darn impressive uh, what they did last week. So you saw early on Jalen was a part of the run game. He's going to be a part of the run game. He ran for 82 in the game last year. But like I said, this is a totally different dynamic where there's more out of pocket stuff. Um, that they like to do, and that's obviously getting him on the run naturally. Uh, but I think that's the difference. I think it's like a 23-20 game. Um, I, I would lean towards the under. Uh, I guess you could, if you're in the buy-in, you could buy San Francisco uh, to three and feel good about that. But I, I, I still lean towards towards Philly because I, when you look at the, the totality of both things, I think Philly being at home too, uh, that's a tough place to go win to, to get one on the Super Bowl in the biggest game of the year. So I would lean Philly winning the game. Have you been, and I'll say I have been, but have you been surprised with how good of a pro Jalen Hurts has Absolutely. turned out to be? I, Ab I, I just, I wouldn't have picked it. Not that he was, he was bad. I, it just, I just didn't think his skills translated as well to the NFL. It turns out <laughs> translate pretty damn well. It, uh, it's been awesome. Awesome to watch guys because, you know, you guys were, I'm sure you went back when he came to Oklahoma, you went back and watched Bam and you're like, I don't know about this, like this fit. He's not a thrower first, you know, and he wasn't a guy that was going to, you know, throw it into tight windows or even anticipating throws, you know, throwing guys open on deep over routes or, you know, things like that, which was the biggest eye opener to me in the national championship against Georgia when Tua came in. 
I'm in the end zone and I'm uh there's a there's a there's a goal line situation there and two is in it, so I'm behind him. They're coming at me. And the way he threw Ridley open on one of those touchdowns, I'm like, whoa, this is this is different. And you could see the receivers responding to that. But then when you break Jalen down, like look at the improvements he made. Just just having the ball, step, throw. You know, in that Oklahoma system, I thought he learned a ton there. But you also saw him, you know, executing those deep throws. And that that's what I thought was the biggest outlier was could he even complete it where there's no, you know, rush up the middle, there's no, you know, pressure. Can he go, you know, three-step drop from a gun and hit a deep crosser or hit a deep, you know, corner route? And right off the get, we saw that he could do that. So I, I you can't say enough of how much he's – improved himself and last year he gets in the playoffs and goes to Tampa they're, they're not ready for a playoff game against the defending Super Bowl champions and then to see him come out see how they've changed the offense you know Goddard's such a huge deal Devontae Smith could get open on anybody and then A.J. Brown's just a just a man child outside that can run every route which helps a ton and then you have that offensive line to secure things uh so I I think the biggest thing here that we haven't seen that's going to be the biggest outlier in this game is how does Sirianni coach in a close game? We we haven't seen that with a game of this stakes. Last week they go out, they blow the doors off the giant. Would they run for two sixty or something? You know, when when it's say they're down three in the third quarter, what's that play calling look like? That that's the stuff I'm really looking forward to because as I said last year, I'm going back and I'm watching it. The Eagles don't look right. They're not the same team. That's Nick Sirianni's second game calling plays with that team in that instance. So when I'm watching, I'm kind of like, there's, there's matchup stuff to look at here. I can't go uh, about how he assessed thing. You know, they went for it on fourth and goal in the second quarter. They had about seven plays down there on fourth down. He goes with Philly special. It did not work. And right from then you heard the booze. Uh, so there's a lot, the lock goes into it, but I do think Jalen hurts is the ultimate difference maker because of how much better he's got throwing guys open, anticipating throws, Obviously, his legs and just his demeanor, like nothing, nothing bothers him. I, I love how he's handled himself, uh, press conferences, off the field, whatever you want to do. He, he's grown up in front of our eyes. And uh, I, I have to say, I, I'm rooting for the kid because I didn't think it was capable. But that's a testament to a, a guy believing in himself and and just not not looking for answers or excuses, just doing the work that you need to put in, putting in hard work. And uh, he's made himself the player that he is now, and it's just awesome to see. Yeah, it's it's impressive. There's no doubt. All right, let's take a look at that AFC Championship game. Uh, currently, Bengals are a one-point favorite at mm -hmm. Arrowhead. Steve, is this does this have a lot to do with Mahomes' ankle, or is it simply like the Bengals are that good and Joe Burrow is that dude? I... I think uh, I think a ton of it is the, is, is the numbers cooked in the books for what Mahomes is going to be, and I think it's really hard. And I I mean this is why those buildings are pretty big in Las Vegas. These guys get these guys get a lot of money uh, for making these lines, but he's 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 never played a road playoff game, and that's all I've wanted to see during his career with Mahomes is I've seen Joe Montana back in the day go on the road and win playoff games. I've seen Tom Brady do. It. I've seen Peyton Manning. Mahomes has never even played in one. So he's been a favorite in every playoff game. I think it's 12 now. Um, I think the Chiefs have been 14. And now I could see them going off as a one-point favorite, regardless of what happens there with the number. I just wonder about Kansas City's offense with him not being 80%. 
you know, think about what he does. Uh, you know, we have Bill Barnwell in studio with Scott last night. I mean, they're they're historically the best third and ten or longer offense in the history of the league. And why is that? Because he can run around and not get tackled and then find guys open like Kelsey, you know, uh and 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 uh Juju Smith Schuster, um, and 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 Valdez Scantling. Like he has trust in those guys where guys get don't give up on the play. And I, I'll find your way. And the hardest thing to do, I think, besides having to uh, pass protect against 300-pound guys, is have to cover guys for about 9, 10 seconds. And then you get a guy that has every arm angle and every throw in the book and mobility with Mahomes. I just don't think that's going to be a, an asset for them this week. Uh, looking at that ankle, looking at what they like to do, even the play-action stuff, guys. I, I think when he say, you know, he turns his back maybe – um, for a play fake, I think you're going to see some run blitzes, uh, knowing that he likes to freelance a lot and they're not going to do that. I think that's going to be a run. I think he's going to have to be, you know, they're going to have to change up some run game stuff and not do so much, you know, um, uh, cross formation, naked boots. I don't think he's going to be able to do that. I think he's going to have to hang in there in the pocket. And I think the runs are going to have to be, you know, basically straight at you with, with inside zones and maybe some duos, you know, up front, like to get movement uh, to, to help the pocket when, when pass time comes. So I think it's going to be a different game plan for Kansas City, knowing what he's going to be percentage-wise, health-wise. Uh, so that that's the factor because Cincinnati's going to come in. I mean, they're going to pull their pants and say, hey, this is what we are. You know, you like it or not. I mean, we saw that against Buffalo. Uh, the game plan offensively, the way they moved Chase and and got their their linebacker, their two linebackers that are are their, are their base of their defense with Edmonds uh, and Milano, and those guys are running sideline to sideline. And then sure enough, boom, first touchdown. The best player on the on the field, Jamar Chase, is wide open in the middle of the field. So I think Cincinnati uh, is going to come come in with a game plan. The problem in this league, guys, is forgetting how good or how bad a team looked the year the week before. You know, like, is could Cincinnati possibly play that well again? I don't think so. I, I think that was the ultimate game. You talk to people around the Bengals, that was the game they really, really wanted. And it goes back to the game they lost with the Hamlin injury. They were so geared up for that game, knowing the hype and, and the mantra that Buffalo brings to the table. That was their chance to get them on Monday Night Football and prove that they were the better team. And then they had to wait a month and go do it in Buffalo's building. That's some darn impressive stuff. So I do expect Burrow to play well. I think there are some holes in that Kansas City defense, even though I like uh, what they've done personnel-wise to try and sure some things up. Spagnuolo will have a plan. But um, I, I, I'm starting to lean – I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm starting to lean with the Bengals uh, because I don't think KC being – KC not being at 100% on the offensive side with Mahomes – you know, most, you know, with the most focus, I, I don't think that can, that can beat the Bengals the way they're playing. Uh, I, I think, you know, the balance of the run game, I love what they did running the football last week where, you know, everybody talks about the injuries they have and what do they do? They get in those tight sets, bottle everybody up and then boom, pin, pin, pull. And you got guys coming around. That's some good stuff in the run game at, at really, really critical times was darn impressive. So I think everything Cincinnati is going to have everything on the table and uh, I'm not sure Kansas City is going to be able to hold up for 60. Yeah, I, I, last year in this game felt like Mahomes tightened up a little bit yeah. as as the pressure really started to mount. Um, I I just I want to get your thoughts on on Joe Burrow. Mm. What are we seeing here? How <laughs> good is this kid? Are, are we are we talking about a guy that's going to be like perhaps set the standard here down the stretch over the next five 
eight years? I mean, guys, Scott and I talked about on our podcast earlier this week. Like, look at the window he's in. 19, stat- statistically, the best season we've ever seen in the sport, right? National championship. Next year, blows his knee out here in D.C., and it's ugly. Comes back, Super Bowl. And now he's a game away from another Super Bowl. That's some stuff I've never seen before. Against uh, some of the best quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's and, with the Bengals. Correct. And that, <laughs> right. that that's a huge thing for me. You're, I'm so glad you brought that up, Gabe, because they're a laughing stack my whole my whole my whole life. You know, I, I was I was young, you know, boomer in, in the Bengals and the Icky Shuffle go to the Super Bowl, but that was a one off. And you think about the quarterbacks you guys mentioned with Mahomes and Allen and everything in there, and I throw in their division. I think it's the toughest division in the NFL. When you look at the the just the the proneness of of the Ravens franchise and what they bring to a table week in and week out, year after year, the ultimate nemesis in, in the tough guy Steelers, and then you got your in-state rival in the Browns who have been a pain in your ass uh, because of how different they are from you where they're just going to roll their sleeves off and run the ball down your throat. And we saw that earlier in the year. The Bengals were able to get them later in the year. Do that against that division. Do that in the conference against these quarterbacks. That's the biggest of big boy stuff there, uh, that I've seen. And there's no there's no flinching. It's him. He's out there. People love the the entry to the stadium. What, what, what outfits and sunglasses he's got on. But there's a killer in that in that inside that nine jersey man. And um, he's not afraid of anything. I, I go back to. Um, Bruce Feldman's book that he wrote the year with LSU uh, and, and, and Ogeron and the way Burrow came on the scene, you know, being a transfer guy and basically challenging guys on the, on the LSU defense, uh, you know, in practice, whether it was words and, and it ended up in some scuffles like those are, those are LSU defensive players. Like that's not some American conference defensive guy. Those are pros on the other side that he's walking into a hornet's nest and challenging guys. And I think he, he won that team over. He got that job done and you see what he's done. Like you said, with the bangles, uh, it's stuff we've never seen before. And it's just, it's all, I don't, I don't know. I don't think you can measure it. What he brings to the table as far as how fast he's changed that organization. Um, I just keep going back. They're a laughing stock. My most of my life, they nobody thought the Bengals. They were in the top five every year for a pick because they stunk every year. So to see the tables turn this fast uh, is just a credit to him. But I also think that coaching staff. I, I don't think they get enough credit for what they've done. That defense. They don't have big name guys, but they might have the best cover safety, uh, best cover linebacker. They've pieced together a secondary Eli Apple. Nobody wanted him. Uh man, is he talking some junk this week? I oh hope he God. plays well. I mean, wow. Uh got, big boy. He knows big, he has two games left, right? <laughs> I, 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 he better hope he has two games left the way he's talking. Uh, but no, I mean, I just feel like that roster, I don't want to say Land of Misfits, but it's it's not it's not big name guys. Uh, and I go back to the draft when they took Chase. Everybody said, How you know, Joe Burrow just blew his knee out. How are you not gonna take Penny Sewell? You know, an ultimate pass protector, ultimate run game. Uh, tackle a guy that you could put in front of Joe Burrow for 10 years and they go out and take chases his college receiver and boy has that played dividends so the way they've dictated everything they haven't they haven't eased their way they come out like I said they pull their pants down and say hey we're here this is what we got they've done that on the offensive side and the defensive side so that coaching staff that quarterback is is something to be reckoned with and uh, they're going to come in with the same mentality on Sunday to, to Arrowhead for sure
So it sounds like you've got Eagles, Bengals as your Super Bowl. I do. I do right got now. It. Uh man, if I, if we could ever get a camera on Mahomes and practice, but I I that's the other thing that scares me. I don't even think he's gonna be able to practice. I think Mahomes is just gonna go out there. I mean, high ankle sprains. I haven't had I've rolled my ankle a million times. I'm not trying to compare injuries at all. I would imagine he's gonna shoot it up. Um, and but you know, it's not like he's a receiver running routes. It is his back foot when he's throwing the ball, but he has enough arm strength to make throws without his getting his whole body into things. So I think you're gonna see an adapted Patrick Mahomes, and I'm not sure that can that can hold up for 60 against against that that pass rush uh and that defense of the Bengals. So yeah, I'll go Bengals, I'll go Eagles. I've got a sports center question for you. Whatever you need. Did you ever think that bad beats would become what it is? But like it is, it may be the only thing on live television other than watching a game where mm. like I make sure I'm on my couch ready to watch or mm. in bed ready to watch. Like it's it's like the only thing for me. I, I think it's like the best segment on television. Uh, I did. I did think it because the old SVP and Rosillo radio days, we tried it on the radio and it just, you know, we would come in on Monday and Scott and I would get together and we like, did you see this? Did you see this? Yeah. All right, let's do it. And we just taught, we tried to intertwine some of the radio highlights, you know, a couple, you know, announcers back in the day would know what's going on. So that made it good, but the visualization of it and people being able to see this and knowing the worst possible thing is coming. You know it. The segment is called Bad Beats. We are going to show you the worst of the worst. But if, for it to live up to it and just for people, I mean, the, the crazy thing is I hear some, from so many non-gamblers that are like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. Why would you bet on games? I'm like, well, that's why I thought it was going to be so popular because I know how many gamblers there are out there. And whether people want to admit it or not, that's the majority of people that are watching these games on TV. I hate to say it. We all love the purity of sports. We all play the sports, but there are plenty of people that didn't that love it just as much. And a little money helps helps watch that game on 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 top of that. So the visualization of it and people seeing it, uh, we've done a uh, I think a great job of getting off the radar ones. Whether we got to go to the Ivy League or you know the Big West, those are like the that. best ones, man. <laughs> so that and then uh, just the I I, I just. The idea of seeing it, you know, and, and social media also, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. Last night, North Carolina, Syracuse game was the spreads four and a half. Syracuse is up one with 14 seconds left. They're on the verge of not covering with with one second left uh, because of uh, intentional foul and the flagrant foul. And then they got a foul at the end. It was it was it was going to be an all timer. And then the kid from North Carolina misses both free throws. So Syracuse still covers getting four and a half. But the the idea of social media has really exploded things too because now people are checking in and it, and it helps you know we have a email chain that goes on through the weekend uh that that our show staff you know just adds on and then monday we come in or each sunday we try you know after college football and just trying to assess things all right what's the best thing visually what maybe you know if there's a if there's an eight o'clock espn game or there's a you know noon espn plus game and that that we got enough cameras on that espn plus game we're gonna go with the espn plus game because people haven't seen it so um, I, I, maybe not to this stature, but I did think it would be a B thing, a big thing because people could relate to it. And the average person that throws a couple bucks on the game. Well, it's the, it's really the first time 
like on, and I know people have had, um, they've had, you know, gambling shows and pick shows for a while, but for mainstream, it really, it broke the unwritten rule. Like people have been gambling on sports since the first time, you know, Mm -hmm. someone said who can throw a rock the farthest, I guess. I don't know. But this is the, really the first time that it was kind of embraced and talked about openly. It's something that was just kind of a, a little bit of a secret. For some reason, you just don't mention it. And I I think the, the response has been awesome. I think it's great. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's – it's well, you have, you know, you have entities and ownerships and partnerships and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's – um it was something that we haven't seen, you know, in in that mainstream. But I'll get I go back to Scott. I give Scott all the credit. You know, he wanted me to be a part of this show, and then he said we were going to do bad beats. And was there pushback? Like, did you guys have to? Uh... I, I never, I never got to those big boy meetings. I, yeah. That was Scott having those meetings, uh, saying this is what we were going to do. So he deserves all the credit. He said we were going to do it, and man, we're we you know seven years and and, and kicking, and it's still going. So. It, uh, you know, you guys say, and you get sponsorships and commercial reads yelled at you. All I get is bad beats yelled at me, whether I'm in an airport, you know, in a, in a car rental thing, it's, it's the first thing people think of when they see my face. So, um, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. It never gets old. And like I said, I just appreciate how much people have, have grabbed onto it and, and loved it just as much as we love doing it and showing the people. It's awesome, man. And last thing we need we need to send you some OU gear so you can rock it on the show man i i see I, all kinds of other schools we need to get you some OU stuff man come on you got to rep the brand i'm telling you man guy i i've been going down it's funny uh where the heck i was out in la for the national championship game and people are, uh there are a couple of ohio state people that were bought tickets thinking you know taking the shot that they were going to be in the game and I'm having a conversation, and I, I still say they are the craziest fan base because they're the biggest, uh, and they have the most personalities. I'll just say that um, they are rabid. But it's like, man, you never wear Ohio State gear. I'm like, I'm here. I, I've never had any sent to me. So I'm going through my closet. I don't have any Oklahoma gear. Uh, I only been there once, and it was, God, it was such a depressing game. Uh, that game against Notre Dame and Norman, man. I, oh, damn it. That was, that was, that was a bad, I don't want to bring that up. Uh, the worst, I'll just say the drive, I think to Tulsa was worse at the middle of the night to catch a 6 a.m. Uh, knowing that Oklahoma city was, was, uh, was sold out of flights that next morning. Uh, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll shoot you my address Gabe, for sure. And, uh, we could, we could get some jump man, Oklahoma well, gear on there. We, we got some, we got some podcast merch too. We'll send you a podcast shirt. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Love it. Love it. All in Steve. You're the man. Thank, thank you so much for the time and keep killing it, man. You're the best. I appreciate you guys for having me and, and thinking about me. I love your guys work and think the world of you guys. I know what goes into, this kind of thing. And I'll say all the time, you know, being on the national stage here with ESPN, like I I could be broader with my things and you guys doing this locally. It's a whole different animal, man. You guys, you you dive in, you do what you need to do. And the hardest thing about local stuff is you're going to have to say a lot more negative things than, than, than positive. A lot of times, especially when things are going and not the way people wanted. It's been and a year. I know. And, and, and hey, 2022 doing, was fun. <laughs> yeah. But 
you know, like you said, you're, you're going through it on the run and people don't want to hear, you know, people have all these aspirations and expectations and it's, it's really, really hard for people to do that and manage it, especially with a fan base like you guys have had and, and, and seeing the success that you've had. And, and I think that's the hardest thing for fans is when you start trickling down grandma to grandma to mom, you know, to daughter, to sister, you get tired of hearing about the old days and when, when they won it all, you know, and you just want to see it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a born loser, New York Mets fan. Like I, I was old enough. I was nine and 86. I saw it. I still think if I was 21 years older, I might be dead uh, going up and through what that situation was and, and having to win a world series the way they did that year. But it's, it, it's really hard to do and be real in the same time because we've seen a lot of people, you know, plenty of people sugarcoat this thing, but we're in a day and age where you can't sugarcoat things. You got to be as real as you can. And I know in the local, in the local market, you guys do that. So uh, it's a testament to you guys to, to do it, you know, day in and day out and week after week, it's, it it can be brutal sometimes the way you got to repeat yourself uh, you know, whether it's a new audience and stuff like that. So I, I know what you guys put in and uh, keep doing your thing. It's awesome to see. Appreciate that, man. Thank you. All right, guys. I love that, man. I do like he is one of my favorite people in all of sports media. Like he's like the most likable dude ever. I agree. Yeah, he's just um everyone can relate. It's like you're uh you're just hanging out with one of the guys for sure and got some good info, has seen a lot of good things and understand um <clears throat> understands the game. So, yeah, loved it. That was great. Yeah. He's meant all right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Attention business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Well, um, this was an easy one. Former teammate, former coach at Oklahoma, Josh Heupel, getting a decent little pay raise. Almost doubled him up, Gabe. Nine million a year for Josh Heupel. Big time. Um, Got a new deal, got an extension. 
It's going to be extended out to, I think, the 2028 season and $9 million a year. Um, incredible. And what he's done at Tennessee, year one, really solid base. Year two, really started to test, uh, you know, the top level of the SEC. We'll see what's in store for year three. They're losing a super experienced quarterback, but um, Joe Milton looked pretty daggum good down the stretch. So we'll see. What's crazy is they bumped him to $9 million a year. Good enough for fifth in the SEC for highest paid coach. Yeah. You, <laughs> it wasn't very long ago. That would have been, you would have been the number one highest paid coach in the country by far. It, it is crazy. Now these coaching salaries are, they are ballooning for sure, but I'm happy for hype, man, to, to think about where he's gotten from, you know, when he was fired as the offense coordinator here to where he's at now. Man, I, I don't know if you can put a price on what he's done for Tennessee football. He's made him relevant again, right? And that is a, that's an extremely passionate fan base that really supports that program. Like $9 million with how those fans are feeling now versus how they felt four or five years ago. I mean, it's a bargain. It's a bargain. I mean, however, however, those fans have to, have to pay for that new salary rather maybe you raise ticket price they're gonna be like fine it's fine we we matter in college football again and yeah he's killing it man he's absolutely killing it it's great to see yeah feeding frenzy on their hands there with tennessee football like that place it's the greatest it's the greatest road environment i've ever been to whenever we went there in 2015 for that 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 great game and they weren't any good then so i can't even imagine what that bama game was like uh, looked just, insane it, it, there's been a bunch of games like that over the last two years i mean you think about the the old miss the the late kiffin situation there at tennessee it's just a it's a feeding frenzy right now and we'll see if they can capitalize on it um, see what they could do. You know, they're losing that experience at quarterback, but like I said, Joe Milton looks pretty daggum good right now. Maybe the most important thing, that new deal that Hype got changed. There's some new incentives in there. He gets more private jet time. Let's go, Hype. And that's what we're all looking for. Pick us for. up, man. Come on. Pick us up. Where are we going? That's what we're all looking for. That's awesome. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? OU men's hoops. Oof, dude. Do we have to? That was bad, to. man. It was bad. You know, you... that. T- first of all, give TCU credit. That's a hell of a basketball team. Correct. They are really, really good. They've got it going this year. But, you know, you, you've got them without their big man... Um, you know, coming off of a of a really big win where maybe there's a letdown. I I'm not saying that the it was a great opportunity on the road in the Big Twelve, but yeah, had some things to work with and you just could not get anything going. I feel like the the letdown of the Baylor collapse got to them at TCU. They just did not have very much energy, very much fight, it appeared. And um 
that's frustrating. I hate that for those guys. I know it's a grind. I know it's tough. You know, they're right there. I know it's frustrating. Like, it, it's it's hard to – and it's not making excuses, but in the conference right now, it, you get a bad view of yourself and what you are as a basketball team whenever you're losing as much as they've lost right now. But I do feel like they're they're right there and they're on the verge of, of being a really good team. And it's just – it's difficult for those guys because I got to tell you, it is not going to get any easier as the season goes on. In fact, it's only going to get more difficult. You're hosting the number two team in the country this Saturday. So that I I think this watching that game, I don't know about you, it kind of felt like a low point for these last couple of seasons under Porter Moser. Yep. Where I, I think the one thing you could say about him is like, hey, he gets his guys to play hard. They compete, but it was just watching it. TCU was more talented, more size, more length, more athletic. They had the best player on the floor, Mike Miles. And in Sherfield, they did not shoot the ball well. Uzan shot it horribly. Like the team as a whole for Oklahoma shot it poorly. But TCU is more athletic, had more length. They just looked like they played harder. And that was the thing that I think bothered a lot of OU fans where it's like, hey, is this team – you don't want to say guys are giving up. You know that's not it. But it was like once they realized, hey, TCU had it tonight and they didn't, it looked – I think some OU fans looked at it and they were like, man, kind of looks like they shut it down. And that's just – that's not what I've come to expect from a Porter Moser team. No. Right? We we know about their offensive limitations. The roster is just not talented enough. It's not. Not not to compete, truly compete in what the Big 12 is right now when it comes to hoops. But, yeah, I think the way that some of that effort or lack thereof looked in the second half, I think that pissed a lot of OU fans off. Yeah. Well, I I understand that. I do. Um, at a minimum, you want to see, frankly, the worse it gets, the more effort you want to see, right? Because right. – like the last thing we ever we can say, man, you know what? They they just have better players, right? And there's there's not a lot you can do about that. But you know, if if there's no effort out there and there's no intensity and there's it looks as if you've thrown in the towel, well then it it changes from like we don't have the players, it changes from to like we don't care or you know, we don't want to put in the work. Um, or we're it, out of shape. Like, you can or it opens hey up has, box. Or it's, hey, has Porter lost the team? Yep. Like, they're that, that you're starting to see some of that stuff. So, just not good, man. It's, it's never good when the opponent empties the bench on you in a conference game. That hurt, man. Hurt my soul to watch that. What, they yeah. play like 14 or 15 guys? Let's go ahead and get the seniors in there. Uh, the walk-ons where everyone, like the guy takes a shot and the entire bench is cheering. That happened to him. It's <laughs> uh, like some grade school stuff, man. Brutal. It is brutal. Come well, on, boys. You can bounce back. All you have to do is be arguably the most athletically gifted team in the country on Saturday, and all will be forgiven. Right? 
Come on. Right. Then OU fans, show up. Show up All to that game. I mean, at the very least, you're going to get to watch Alabama's team. They're awesome. I mean, they're awesome. They got one of the best freshmen in the country, man. I plan so. on being there. Um, you're right. Hey, it it was bad. TCU game was horrible. It's one you want to forget. And if you want to get people to forget about it, you beat Alabama. Hey, you got a great opportunity. You got a great opportunity. We'll see what happens. Also, Brandon Miller's probably going to be a lottery pick, people. So you can if you if you if you're you looking for a reason to go, it's a good reason. He's awesome. <laughs> and I think he's going to give the Sooners some trouble on Saturday. We'll yeah. see. But, hey, weirder things have happened, man. Still show up, OU fans. Now's not the time to uh, take a firm stance. Please show up. They need you. They need you desperately. Bad. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first... John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. They're family-owned and operated, and they've got nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way which is why they have their lifetime loyal program, lifetime loyalty program. Here's how it works. You buy a new used car from them, and all you have to do is get all of the manufacturer-recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership, and if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive axle, or a transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. What a deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Come on, people. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the week, I think I thought about going with Oklahoma State football. <laughs> I think that, listen, it's been a rough start to the offseason for the Cowboys. Lost all their best players on both sides of the ball to the portal or to the draft. You lose Derek Mason, but they announced the hiring of Brian Nardo, which I love. Defensive coordinator named Nardo. Awesome. But, I mean, we don't know anything about this guy, right? Comes from Gannon University, D2 school. Now, you look at Gannon's stats, defensive stats in 2021 versus 2022. Man, improved the defense, right? But I, I've seen several things people are saying about him. Uh, Bruce Feldman had a tweet that, He's a football junkie, runs the Iowa State style of defense, but even though Gundy's had some success, right? You think about Gleason, you think about Yursich with these kind of out-of-bounds, off-the-wall type of hires from lower levels, I can understand it's hard for Oklahoma State fans right now to get excited because you just you never heard of the guy and you don't know. But, Ted, maybe it ends up being a great hire. Guy sounds like he is uh, – you know, he's one of these super intelligent football guys that is dedicated to running that 335 John Haycock style of defense. So I 
who knows? Maybe it ends up being great. I, I don't know if it's a great thing or not, but it's news. At least he's out of, he, he's got an awesome name. That's a good start. Yeah, I, you know, I I don't know anything about Brian Nardo, so it's it's hard to to really comment on it. Um, I know that the the three three five defense is all the rage right now. It's um, you know, this is not a new defense. West Virginia ran this in the early two thousands, whenever I was in college. So it's been around for a long time, but. It's the rage right now with what TCU did. People saw them against Michigan on the national stage. Uh, you know, this this is going to be a trend for now. And I, um, I, there's really good football coaches out there that just haven't got their break. And you know, this is an opportunity for a guy. So I'll, I'll, I'll see how it unfolds. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. But my winner of the week. How about some golf drama in late January, baby? Oh, my God, I love this. Rory Rory McIlroy is my winner of the week. This drama between him and Patrick Reed is amazing. So if you missed it, there's a tournament over in Dubai right now. And Patrick Reed, clearly live golf guy. Rory has been kind of the face of the PGA Tour. It's been very outspoken against live golf and guys that have gone there. And... They're on the practice range. Reed tries to come over, say hi to Rory, shake his hand, and, dude, Rory is having none of it. Absolutely. Doesn't even acknowledge that guy, the guy, and Reed is not pleased with this. It kind of gently tosses what is a live golf tee in, in Rory's general direction. And it's really nothing. And I don't, McElroy said he didn't even notice it, but it is just blown up into into this golf drama and it's amazing because Patrick Reed he it's like he doesn't live in reality it's like he lacks any self-awareness because you look at the quote he's like I'm just trying to say hi and then he ends it with something like if you're going to act like an immature child then you might as well be treated like one well Rory McIlroy lets us know Reed's lawyer subpoenaed him on Christmas Eve, came to his house. And we all were like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, no, Patrick Reed, you still suck, man. Like, it, this is incredible. I love everything about this story. And, of course, Patrick Reed ends up looking even worse with it. I, Ted, I love it. I love it so much. It's beautiful. Um, you know, it, it's it's interesting. I. The level of beef in golf is of all of the of all of the rivalries and words that get exchanged back and forth in all the sports. Golf, while this is good, is it's like the weakest thing ever, right? I it's a big controversy that uh, Patrick Reed, but it's deservedly so because. What's he got, like, three or four different lawsuits going on right now? He's suing the Golf Channel. He's suing PGA. He's suing everyone. I saw something that said, like, he subpoenaed Justin Thomas, like, a couple days before his wedding. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's like, what are you – I wonder if he even knows how many people – because, remember, his wife is heavily involved in all that stuff. I wonder if he even knows that he sued Rory McIlroy. I don't know. I mean – even 
or subpoenaed him. You I'm could understand lawyer. maybe some of these lawsuits. Okay, fine, whatever. But uh, you know the guys that you're you're going to be serving a subpoena, and uh, you're picking the like the worst possible time to do it. It's just uh, it's just money. I, I love it. Give I, me more. Give me. I'm here for the soap opera of golf. I cannot wait for the Netflix series to come out, but I also, please, please, God, give us a Sunday pairing of Rory and Reed. Please make them pl- both play extremely well and give us that. Come on, man, please. Hey, they're not dumb. They want, they want ratings, right? Somehow you'll, it, these things just have a way of happening. My favorite part is Rory was like, if if it was the other way around, I'd be expected a lawsuit for for <laughs> tossing the tea at him. <laughs> so good, Brilliant. oh I love it. All right, for my loser of the week, thought about going with the Kansas Jayhawks. A little yeah. rough patch for Bill Self. Three losses in a row for them. They get Kentucky, who is rolling right now. They got to go to Kentucky and play them in Rupp Arena on Saturday. But just Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick having to do everything. For that team, uh, Dewan Harris, man, that is a guy that looks like he's lost all of his confidence. And, Ted, it's just never good when the camera catches you saying something. You probably don't want everyone to see you say it. And Bill Self, it was pretty early in that Baylor game with the, they're so much better than us. <laughs> and the camera was on him, caught it perfectly. Just a little rough patch for the Jayhawks. Yeah, what's that? The uh, I, I saw the graphic. I can't remember what it said about like they haven't had three losses in a row very often. Like that's no, they're, they're especially just they a, haven't lost like that with TCU, who yeah just dismantled our Sooners. What they did to them in Allen Fieldhouse, like I know what happened. What was it? Kentucky came there last year and beat the hell out of them. Now they end up winning a national championship, mm-hmm. but it you just don't see it very often. They're a flawed yeah. team. There's no doubt. Yeah. You know, it feels like a lot of his teams kind of go through this. You know, they they start off hot. Then there's like a midseason lull. And then right whenever you're about ready to say that they don't have what it takes, they go on a, on a run and get really tough. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But my loser of the week, your guy Bill Belichick. <laughs> now he's the best to ever do it, man. There's no doubt. But. Everyone said, Bill, it's a terrible idea not naming an offensive coordinator before the season. Then everyone said, it's an even worse idea making Pat Patricia your play caller of offensive plays, mind you. And Bill Belichick was like, I got it. I'm the best ever. I got it. But this week with the news that the New England Patriots have hired Bill O'Brien as their new offensive coordinator, Ted, it feels like this is Bill Belichick admitting defeat, being like, hey, guys, you were right. I was wrong, which I assume he doesn't think or say very often. So now, Patriot fans, I assume you guys are thrilled, man, now that you actually have an offensive person calling offensive plays. But I feel like this is a rare loss for the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, maybe he undervalued. Uh, the offensive coordinator position whenever he had the GOAT playing quarterback for so long. It's like, why do we even need an offensive coordinator? They don't even do anything. Ah, Patricia can do it. It's fine. Uh, it's it's beautiful. Now, 
Um, as a Patriots fan, not thrilled with Billy O'Brien being the OC, but you know he's he actually I think does a good job. I'm okay with it, just okay. Not thrilled, but just okay. He's he's certainly not the most exciting hire ever, but I mean, you go back to his time with the Texans. I think his biggest flaws were on, you know, kind of the general manager side of things. Yeah. I, I he's always been able to call plays. Yep. And yep. he's sure he's a hell of a lot better at calling offensive plays than Matt Patricia. I know that <laughs> for a fact. So I'm uh, sure Matt just Jones run it is, here or yeah. throw it. <laughs> you just run left. What? Yeah, left. No, just, but do you think he had like a Madden screen that he could just select plays on? He didn't I, have to do I, anything about him. Yeah, I'd like to think so. Guys like a rocket scientist or whatever was going to be one can't call an offensive play to save his life. But I did see in an ESPN article that Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien actually have a bit of a relationship because Bill O'Brien got hired at Bama right after Mac Jones finished his last season, and Mac Jones was the one that kind of helped Bill O'Brien or was one of the people that helped him learn what Bama was doing offensively. So that, I thought that was pretty interesting. So Mac Jones has got to be thrilled. I, I'm sure he's looking at it like, hey, anything is an upgrade over Matt Patricia calling plays for me. And yeah. he they got they got into it a little bit throughout the season. So I'm sure Mac Jones is thrilled. So overall I think positive news for your Patriots, bud. Well yes, I think so. Let's Let's tie this in real quick, though. That That is interesting. Mac Jones is one of the people that helped Bill O'Brien learn Alabama's offense, right? Because, remember, if you go be offensive coordinator at Alabama, you run Alabama's offense. Now, you can bring some concepts that you have, but and I think this is really smart by Saban. Like, the language at Alabama is staying the same, like, you don't get to bring like your 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 full offense and implement it as you know it. You have to basically Rosetta Stone the thing in into what Bama's language is, and that's that's not an easy thing to do. So, I that's just one thing that you've always got to remember whenever you're going to Alabama. And coaches don't like that, and they also don't like to bring who they want to like. They want to be able to bring the guys that they want with them, and. uh not Nick Saban's house. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Look at Saban and say, Coach, I think I have a better way. <laughs> well, and, and that's Probably just looks at me like, really? Really, bud? You got a better way? Well, you got to think about it. Okay, why does he want me to come in and learn Alabama's language to put my to fit my offense to it? Because he's had about six different offensive coordinators over the last eight years. Yeah. And that's not going to change whenever you go there. So that language is going to stay the same. So whenever you leave, the next guy comes right back in and still runs the same language. What, what we're saying is don't do it. Levy. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. On that note, episode 286 in the books. We'll have a new podcast. that will drop Monday. Just a reminder. You can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an amazing weekend. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do it.
you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time